Before we begin this video, please comment your thoughts, analysis, and predictions regarding Minnesota football for the 2023 college football season. If you want to go the extra mile, please include a record prediction and a bowl projection for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Now let's get right into why I think Minnesota will have a fantastic 2023 season. Some predictions for Minnesota for this season from me include that the Golden Gophers will score more than 30 points per game on offense, and that Minnesota will bring back the Floyd of Rosedale to Minneapolis for the first time since 2014. Minnesota last year went 9-4, and 5-4 four, and four in the Big Ten. And they had experienced veteran players like Tanner Morgan at quarterback, Muhammad Ibrahim at running back, John Michael Schmitz at center, Mariano Sori Marin at linebacker, and Jordan Howden at safety. Players who were recruited by P.J. Fleck, developed by P.J. Fleck and his staff, and players who by no means were blue-chip prospects. When I think of... P.J. Fleck and Matt Simon and John Harbaugh and Joe Rossi, the coordinators and coaches alongside of P.J. Fleck and the staff that he has built, I think of doing more with less. Mark D'Antonio retired from Michigan State in 2019, like after the 2019 season, pardon me, right before COVID hit, and then Mel Tucker was hired after him. Mark D'Antonio was the best coach in the Big Ten for nearly his entire tenure at Michigan State in regards to doing more with less. Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio rarely recruited inside of the top 25, let alone near the top 25. They rarely brought in blue-chip talent, period, amen. And in fact, there's an argument that when Mark D'Antonio began to recruit better and recruited blue-chip, more highly talented, highly rated players, that's when his system fell apart, because his system was built upon finding diamonds in the rough, and with one of the better defensive staffs, strength and conditioning staffs, and one of the best cultures in college football, building a powerhouse out of a program that hadn't been much of anything consistently for several decades. Mark D'Antonio is gone from the world of college football. He is still alive, thankfully. Great coach, in my opinion, great man. I'm saying this as a Michigan fan. The reason I mentioned Mark D'Antonio is because P.J. Fleck is one of these coaches who I think is awesome, just awesome at doing more with less. Kirk Ferentz. P.J. Flex program's biggest rival, biggest the biggest thorn in Minnesota's side, really, being Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. That's another program that has had a, a good reputation of doing more with less. Wisconsin, even though the national media has projected that image upon them, it hasn't been that way for several years. Paul Christ recruited at a much better level than Iowa and Minnesota and even Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio did. Paul Christ actually did bring in some decent recruiting classes, and with a weak schedule and with, to his credit, awesome development at running backs, Paul Christ was able to keep the Wisconsin train going for about half a decade. But 
Unfortunately, the past three seasons, which again were the seasons where Wisconsin had some of the, their better recruiting classes in their entire history, the development just wasn't there. The schematics weren't there. The culture, I would argue, and many others would argue, wasn't there. And in the Big Ten East, there are not too many programs that do more with less. You are either with talent and you win and you have good coaching, or you are Indiana and you are none of those things. And then Rutgers, Maryland, and currently Michigan State are in between, but they have enough resources and enough recruiting or just a lack of resources in terms of, I'd say, Rutgers and maybe Maryland where you can't put them in that do more with less category, and they may not even have the opportunity to necessarily do that given how stacked the East is. Minnesota's thankfully in the West. Traditionally, their schedule has been easier than teams in the East, though, as we'll figure out in this video, that, of course, is much different this year. The Gophers face Michigan and Ohio State, host Michigan, travel on the road to play Ohio State, and they also host Michigan State who will be out for revenge after losing 7-34 to in East Lansing to Minnesota last year, in which Tanner Morgan went 23 of 26 for, I think, 268 yards. And I'm pulling that number off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. I mean, Morgan had a phenomenal game against Michigan State, unfortunately got injured versus Illinois, and was really never the same. And Minnesota... Going 8-4 and four in the regular season, 5-4 and four in the Big Ten. They lost to Purdue, Illinois, and Penn State for three games in a row. They then bounced back, lost in a very close affair to Iowa. Iowa statistically being dominated by Muhammad Ibrahim in that ground game, but with great special teams, with a clutch defense in the red zone, Iowa came out winning 13-10. to 10. And the over-under for that game, I remember, was like 26, I think. And it turned out to be 23, which is just crazy. But that's Big Ten football, especially in November, especially in the West Division where offense isn't really a thing, and especially in a cold climate like Minnesota. I was very high on Minnesota, entering 2022, by the way. And I said, not exactly this quote, but... What I was trying to express at times last year in the preseason is if my if my high on Skittles opinions, positive opinions of Scott Frost in Nebraska were proven wrong in 2022, and they were, my next favorite pick to win the West would be Minnesota, who I projected to earn 9 or 10 regular season wins, while fans, the media, and beat writers projected them to go 5-7, and 6-6, six and six, or 7-5. and five. And they ended up going 8-4, and four, and if not for, you know, Illinois just being much better than everyone thought and drilling Tanner Morgan into the ground, and Penn State was also much better than I thought they were going to be, Minnesota might have been able to go 9-3, and 10-2 uh, and two in the regular season if a few balls bounced their way. But that's not how college football works. The preseason's all about the theoreticals, but what can P.J. Fleck and Minnesota do? entering the 2023 season and during the 2023 season to ensure that the balls do bounce their way. What are the expectations for Minnesota? I said earlier that I am of the opinion that I think that Minnesota is going to have a good year this season. Now, 
what would what things could contribute to that and what are the expectations surrounding the program well first and foremost minnesota continuing to do more with less and their portal utilizations or portal additions coming through would really help minnesota in my opinion has had great success under pj fleck the gophers are 44 and 27 and 500 in the big 10 conference since pj fleck's first season in 2017 Minnesota has had staff continuity. Uh, they've had defensive coordinator Joe Rossi for seemingly forever. He took over mid-2018 season. Um, I forget the name of the previous defensive coordinator. I think Rob Smith was his name, was fired. I think after the Nebraska game where Scott Frost, I think, picked up his first win of the 2018 season in just a blowout, a blowout of Minnesota. And... Ever since Joe Rossi took over, the defense has been the anchor of Minnesota football. And last year with Kirk Sharaka returning as offensive coordinator, you thought the offense would take a step forward, and statistically it did. But you have to wonder if that was a result of Minnesota playing a tough, much tougher schedule in 2021 and a much easier schedule in 2022. Entering this season, Sharaka was hired away by Rutgers, and now Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr., not John Harbaugh. I don't know why I mentioned John Harbaugh earlier, but Greg Harbaugh Jr. They're going to be the co-offensive coordinators. Joe Rossi is going to be the defensive coordinator for the sixth year in a row. And Nick Marone will be the new co-defensive coordinator. Matt Simon is the co-OC and wide receivers coach. Greg Harbaugh is the co-OC and quarterbacks coach. Rossi also coaches linebackers along with the defense and Marone Monroe will coach the cornerbacks. Rob Wenger is the special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach. Danny Collins is the safeties and pass game coordinator. And Brian Callahan is the run game coordinator and an excellent, excellent offensive line coach. Winston Deletta Borderi III, hopefully I got that name right, is the defensive line coach. Nick McKissett-Luke is the running backs coach. Andrew Souder is the tight ends coach. And Dan Nickel is the head strength and conditioning coach. So this staff is, in my opinion, one of the better staffs in the Big Ten. The expectations combining the staff and also the roster. You know, Jordan Howden left, but Tyler Newbin returns. Brevin Spanford, the team's leading tight end, and I think their best player on offense, he's returning. Quinn Carroll, who was a tackle last year but is a guard this season, he comes back. And there are some other key contributors like Chris Altman-Bell, who's been with the program for quite some time, and Daniel Jackson, who are returning as well. And Ethan Kaliak-Manis, even though he was a backup last season, because of Tanner Morgan's injury, he got significant playing time starting in the middle of the season all the way through the bowl game against Syracuse. So I think Minnesota... Their returning production numbers, I think, are pushed down due to the fact that I don't know exactly how transfer portal additions are factored in, but that's an imperfect new thing because the transfer portal is new. Ethan Kaliak-Manis didn't take a huge part necessarily in the offense. It was mostly Mohamed Ibrahim and John Michael Schmitz. Those are the biggest players on offense, and they're gone. But I think Minnesota has more returning production than perhaps a lot of analytics would tell you. And another reason 
for that, I think, is because their roster is deep. They're physical. They're big. They're not as athletic as Michigan and Ohio State and, and Penn State and even teams like Maryland and, I'd argue, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. But I'd say from a size perspective, especially looking at their O-line and D-line, the only programs that might be bigger than them size-wise would be, you know, maybe Michigan, Ohio State, maybe Wisconsin in the trenches. And, I mean, from just from a physical development standpoint, again, do more with less is, I think, could be the mantra outside of row the boat for Minnesota football. And the culture at Minnesota is easily toward the top of toward the top of Mount Everest as opposed to in the valleys of Nepal. Um, in that time frame where P.J. Fleck has been the head coach of Minnesota, the Golden Gophers have had an, an 11-win season and two 9-win seasons, and Fleck is undefeated. P.J. Fleck is undefeated in bowl games. Won the Quick Lane Bowl in 18, the Outback Bowl in 19, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in 21, and the Pinstripe Bowl in 22. You go back to his Western Michigan days, he's all-time 5-2 and two in bowl games, with a loss coming in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl and the Cotton Bowl in 14 and 16, respectively, and a win in the Bahamas Bowl in 2015. Fleck knows how to prepare for opponents who are superior in talent, in size, and maybe even in development and coaching. I mean, P.J. Fleck, I would be lying if I told you that he was a top 10 head coach. He's not. But I think he fits inside of the top 25, and I think that watch the Ohio State game in 2021. Ohio State, no one knew that their D-line was going to be a weakness, and Minnesota lined up and they, they just forcibly ran it with Muhammad Ibrahim that entire game, and then Trey Potts after Ibrahim went down. And they competed with the Buckeyes and pushed him in 21, despite, in my opinion, Ohio State having a better roster, being bigger, and also having a better head coach in Ryan Day. So P.J. Fleck and his staff know how to build their roster. They know how to prepare for the season. And they do have some key players coming back. Minnesota has one of college football's toughest strength of schedules. But I expect P.J. Fleck's squad to contend for a top 25 finish, and I think that should I think that should be the expectation here. Even with this schedule, I'm going to go over it very briefly, just in terms of teams who are ranked in the top 25. A road game at North Carolina, who's ranked 21st in the preseason polls. A home game against Michigan, who's the number two team in the country. A road game at number 25, Iowa. A road game at number three, Ohio State. And a home game against number 19, Wisconsin. And then Illinois received votes, and I don't think anyone else outside of those teams received votes or were ranked in the top 25, but nonetheless, a very tough and intimidating schedule. But I don't think that Minnesota is the type of team that will shy away from that schedule or complain about it. Um, going over the schedule in full, along with how I think of the roster, my predictions, and also what my power rankings think about Minnesota. My power rankings regard Minnesota as the 14th best team in the country with an offense that is near the top 15, that cracks the top 20, and a defense that certainly has the potential to crack the top 10. But, you know, whether it's Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, 
Ohio State, Michigan, I think that's five teams that I can name who I think overall will have a better defense than Minnesota, especially from a talent standpoint. And then Rutgers. Rutgers has, they actually have Minnesota's former co-defensive coordinator as their defensive coordinator, and they have a lot of talent, most notably at linebacker with Deion Jennings and what I think is a deep linebacker room and a, a defensive back room. Rutgers could even have a better defense. I mean, the Big Ten is stacked defensively. And college football, you have Georgia, LSU, Alabama, that's eight defenses I just named that are in the top 10. And then there's Utah and Oregon State from the Pac-12 who could contend for that. Texas might have a top 10 defense this season. So being 12th and the potential power index is only for power five teams for now. I'm hoping to change that next year, but we're in an alpha stage with that. Minnesota is going to have a really good defense, and their offense is underrated, period, amen. The only weak spot I see on offense is quarterback. And for me, that's just more because of how the offense is, I think, designed. Also, Minnesota's reputation at quarterback. Tanner Morgan's phenomenal 2019 year, I hate to say it, looks more like a fluke than anything of consistent nature. Minnesota is not a quarterback team, and maybe Kaliak Manis can evolve into a great quarterback, but I see him as a pure system guy. That's why I think he'll probably have numbers that are in the top half of the Big Ten, but in actuality, if all supporting casts were equal, he would be outside of the top ten in Big Ten quarterbacks. It's a similar story to Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy, which I'll get into when I preview Michigan, Ohio State, and, and every other Big Ten team in a video similar to this until that game, August 31st. From here on out to that date, I'm going to be previewing Big Ten teams in this format. I'm going to try and get to every single one of them. When you look at you know Kyle McCord and the offense that Ohio State has, he very much likely will put up better numbers through the air than McCarthy will. But I think McCarthy will be the better quarterback overall. He just doesn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. and a Mecca book at wide receiver. And Jim Harbaugh won't like to use him as much as Ryan Day will like to use Kyle McCord as that much. You know, he'll use Kyle McCord more. Pardon me on that. That's an explanation for my previous point. Running back, wide receiver, tight end, O-line, loaded. The offensive line, I, I care that they lose John Michael Schmitz, but I don't care at the same time. They will reload, and you will see that I actually have an offensive lineman as a breakout player and near All-American player for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, I'm going to name the players on Minnesota that I have on my All-Big Ten team. Sean Tyler, honorable mention at running back. Nathan Bowie, first-team center. Quinn Carroll, third-team guard. Tyler Cooper, honorable mention guard. Um... Arianate Erisi, honorable mention tackle. Corey Crooms, second team wide receiver. Chris Altman-Bell, honorable mention wide receiver. Brevin Spanford, first team all Big Ten tight end. Uh, Nick Callerup's not on this list, but he would be just below that honorable mention tight end, in my opinion. Kyler Baugh, honorable mention defensive tackle. Tyler Newbin, first team safety. Justin Wally, third team corner. Matthew Trickett, third-team kicker. Quinton Redding, third-team return specialist. 
the Minnesota Golden Gophers are for sure in that top seven for star players, for players that I think warrant making an appearance on my All-Big Ten team. And their roster and their backups who don't, you know, make that list, you have other guys like Daniel Jackson, a wide receiver, or you have, you know, the incoming transfer from Charlotte at wide receiver as well, who had over a thousand yards. And then at quarterback, Ethan Kaliak Manis didn't make the list, but he could prove me wrong and have a, a great season. And then at linebacker, but especially at defensive back and defensive line, I, I like what Minnesota has. I think that they're going to be solid in the trenches. Their tight end and wide receiver room will enable them to go five wide and spread opposing defenses out through the air. And Sean Tyler is an underrated running back coming from Western Michigan, where he had, a, I think, a thousand yard season in 2021 and nearly that in 2022 when they had a 5-7 and seven team and their head coach Tim Lester was fired. I think that this offense is going to score over 30 points per game. The defense will be, I think, because of the schedule and also because of key losses like Jordan Howden and Mariano Sori Marin, I think that the defense statistically will regress, especially in points allowed per game, because Michigan and Ohio State, I have as top four offenses nationally. And Nebraska will have a good offense. Tennessee, who I have Minnesota playing in their bowl game, will have a good offense. North Carolina will have a good offense with Drake May at quarterback, even though they lost their wide receivers and their offensive line coach and even offensive coordinator. Drake May is that kind of quarterback. I think Minnesota will beat Nebraska. They'll beat Eastern Michigan. They'll win back-to-back road games against North Carolina and Northwestern, and they will crush Louisiana at home. They'll start out 5-0 entering that Michigan game. And the Michigan-Minnesota matchup will be a matchup, in my opinion, of undefeateds. I think Minnesota is decisively better than Nebraska and North Carolina, and definitely Eastern Michigan, Northwestern, and Louisiana. But that Nebraska game, I cannot stress, is that's important. If Minnesota goes out and loses to Nebraska, that mean that could mean a multitude of things. That could mean that Matt Rule has Nebraska way ahead of schedule and Minnesota's still good. That can also mean that this is truly a rebuilding year and not a reloading year for Minnesota, which might change my perspective of the program if they lose to Nebraska and then let's say they lose to North Carolina and they finish six and six or seven and five and it's a you know bad seven and five or mediocre six and six. I think Michigan and Ohio State will be too much for Minnesota to handle. That's why I have Ohio State and Michigan beating Minnesota by multiple touchdowns, exactly three touchdowns or more. I think that that road game at Ohio State could be an underrated I think it could be a trap game for the Buckeyes, given that Minnesota's great in the trenches. They like to run the football. That's been Ohio State's weakness for the past two seasons. And they do have a pass game. They have a good enough offense to test that Ohio State defense. And that's the game before the Michigan game, before the game for Ohio State. So much like how Michigan, I think, looked past Illinois a little bit too much in 2022, Ohio State could do the same thing with Minnesota. And I think this Minnesota team will be better than last year's Illinois team, especially on the offensive side of the football. They'll be more consistent. 
have a better pass game especially and defensively you won't have you know Sidney Brown or Devin Witherspoon you won't have the same secondary but I think that all in all this team will be more physical and, and deeper than that Illinois team and that's saying a lot speaking of Illinois I also think the Illini will beat Minnesota between Iowa and Illinois I don't see Minnesota going 2-0 in those games especially with Michigan State, who I have as a top 25 team, being smashed in between those two. So I picked Illinois as a loss. I think that Minnesota will be angry after that Michigan game. I think that Iowa is due to take a step forward. But I also think that Minnesota at some point is due to win the Floyd of Rosedale. And I think they're going to win the Floyd of Rosedale and bring back that awesome pig trophy to Minneapolis for the first time since 2014. I have Minnesota going 10-3, and 6-3 and three in the Big Ten, and I think they are going to have a great year. I personally have them ranked as the 16th best team in the country. I was considering putting that on this graphic, but I think that my explanations, also my top 25 video, and Big Ten predictions video, which I'll link both down below, and I encourage you to watch those videos if you haven't already, or watch it again just to get a better idea of my opinions. I think that those would explain where I have Minnesota in my top 25. So my power rankings and I overall agree with Minnesota, and that may sound redundant, but there are some teams, some of which you might see in my Big Ten previews and some that you see in my top 25 video, where I don't exactly agree with where my power rankings places those said teams. Some projections that I have for Minnesota. I'm going to do an offensive MVP, a defensive MVP, and a breakout player. I think offensively, this team will be competent enough to score 0.467 points per play. The passing game, Minnesota will pass for over 200 yards. And for the first time, this team will take a much more pass-heavy by Minnesota standards approach, I still think that Minnesota will probably have more attempted carries than attempted passes, but all in all, Minnesota will pass for far more yards per game than for run for rushing yards per game. And the reason for that is Ibrahim is a very underrated running back, probably should have won the Doak Walker Award. It should have been him or Bijan Robinson, and Ibrahim wasn't even invited to the ceremony, which was a snub. Wasn't even drafted, but is, the last time I checked, was picked up as an undrafted free agent for the Detroit Lions, which I think was a very underrated pick. I think that Sean Tyler, while he's good, isn't nearly as good, nearly as elite as Ibrahim was. And even though I have Nathan Bowie, the center, being my breakout player, he won't immediately fill John Michael Schmitz's shoes. And as a result, the offensive line will take a slight drop off. The running back room and the run game as a consequence will take a sizable drop off. But with the additions from the portal at wide receiver, with the return of Chris Altman Bell, Daniel Jackson, and Brevin Spanford, and Kaliak Manis having a whole preseason of work where he's going to be the starter, this team will be much better at passing the football. So I think that it only makes sense for Minnesota to take that direction. I think that Minnesota will score over 50 touchdowns. They will have a competent kicking game, decent special teams. This defense is not known for its pass rush. I think that its pass rush will stay relatively the same that it has been for the past few seasons. They don't have 
star players at the defensive line. They just have solid players, and they have a really good chemistry at almost every position on the field. Their secondary, though, will be among one of the better secondaries in the country, as showcased by their 16 projected interceptions and 42 passes defended. I think tight end Brevin Spanford is going to be the best player on offense, with around 50 receptions in between 600 to 700 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns, which is a lot for a tight end. But I'm that bullish on Minnesota's passing game. Might that projection be too generous? Maybe. But with Kaliak Manis's arm strength, with his mobility, which will just further... I mean, that mobility is going to help in extending plays, getting passes off, having less sacks. It'll create a, a more dangerous run game, also a more dangerous play-action game. I think the, there's just no reason to not adopt a more pass-centric offense compared to last year, where Minnesota led, I think, the Power Five in percentage run plays out of total offensive plays. On defense, the MVP will be Tyler Newbin. He'll have close to 70 total tackles, a forced fumble, four interceptions, and seven passes defended. And my breakout player is Nathan Bowie, the center. He'll have around 900 snaps and around an 89 pro football focus grade, which would be top five for centers if you inserted that ranking into the 2022 PFF rankings. Newbin has been with the program for ages, definitely a leader someone who has been developed by the staff. He will have a future in the NFL. How long will it be? I have no idea, but he has a future there, and I think he will be drafted. Nathan Bowie being a center, a big player, and a guy who was rated highly by PFF last season for the limited amount of snaps that he played at guard, I think will make a great center. I think Minnesota knows how to develop and nurture offensive linemen and put them in the best position possible to win and succeed. I've said this before, I think Minnesota now is what Wisconsin was under Paul Christ in the first half of his tenure. Now, this year, with weapons on the outside, with an offensive line and running back room that is depleted, we will see more of, you know, Minnesota might be able to carve even more of a unique spot and a unique identity than what we could think of as just the standard Big Ten West team or what we would used to maybe think of a P.J. Fleck team. They'll have an opportunity to change some things, whether that's for the better, for the worse, or it doesn't happen. We'll have to see the games when they're played and react to them as such. Now, what do I think all of this means? And how do I think the season is going to relatively go? What are some strengths, weaknesses, and what do I think the ceiling and the floor of this team is? Because preseason predictions are just preseason predictions. They're for fun. They, you know, it's it's kind of sort of a self-test, see how accurate you are or where you can learn. But you don't know everything. And even the top of the top analysts can't know everything or even make the greatest predictions because you'd have to be an insider at most programs. That's why College Football with Sam is more of a Big Ten-centric channel, and I'm trying to you know, cover other teams and occasionally break out of that more and more, but it's better, in my opinion, to stick to a conference or a, a select few teams 
and just talk about them and investigate them, because then I can be more accurate, I can be more honest, so on and so forth. Again, I think Minnesota will open up with a 5-0 and start. They'll beat Nebraska, and they'll beat them handily. It'll be competitive, but the second half, you will see that Minnesota's the more Big Ten physical program. They'll pound Nebraska in that second half, and they'll they'll blow out North Carolina. They'll be ranked when they face Michigan. That The college game day could go there. And I'm saying that off the top of my head, the Week 5 schedule, there might be you know, a much bigger game that that would never be the spot for college game day to go, but undefeated Minnesota hosting undefeated Michigan, who could be number one if they look more impressive than Georgia, or they're number two, or likely, I, I'm going to say like 99.9% sure they'll still be in the top 25 or 95% sure at minimum. Playing an undefeated ranked Minnesota, that could be an intriguing, enticing spot to sit down and dedicate your entire afternoon to watching specifically that game, especially if you're a Big Ten fan. I think the Gophers will lose to Michigan and Ohio State, but they will win two big games against Iowa and Wisconsin, who, interestingly enough, those are widely viewed as the top two programs in the West this season. Widely. I think Minnesota and Iowa are probably tied for second, if not, Minnesota leads slightly. The problem is Iowa's toughest game is on the road at Penn State. And on the road at Penn State, is it's more likely that Iowa will win on the road against Penn State than it is for Minnesota to win at home versus Michigan. Michigan and Ohio State are, in my opinion, far ahead of Penn State this season. But Minnesota has a tougher schedule, and despite that, P.J. Fleck and his roster will earn their second win second 10-plus win season in P.J. Flex tenure with the Golden Gophers. And a win over Iowa could be program-changing. Same with Jim Harbaugh's win over Ohio State in 2021. P.J. Fleck has never beaten Kirk Ferentz, never won the Floyd of Rosedale, and I think that he will this season. That could set a different tone for 2024. The strengths of this team are wide receiver and tight end depth. You have Nick Callerup and Brevin Spanford at tight end. Having two good tight ends, especially tight ends who are 6'5 or taller and 270 pounds each, who can block, that's crazy. To, to a certain degree, it almost joke that they have two extra offensive tackles who can also catch the ball. That's scary. And then at wide receiver, Daniel Jackson, Chris Altman-Bell, Corey Crooms, uh, Lameke Brockington, Elijah Spencer, um, Kristen Hoskins, it's a deep wide receiver room. Running back, there's Sean Tyler, Bryce Williams, who's been with the program forever and has consistently been reliable when injuries occur. Zach Evans, Darius Taylor, Jordan Newbin. At quarterback, I don't think they're deep in quality, but if Ethan Kaliakmanis goes down, Cole Kramer, who has been a veteran, can come in and I think run the offense if needed, and perform at a decent level as well. Altogether, I think that the pass defense will be good. The whole team will be physical, but especially the offensive line, and P.J. Fleck will have a tough team this year. Some weaknesses of this team will be quarterback play. There will be a ceiling, a very low ceiling at quarterback, in my opinion. And overall, as a result, on the offense, 
Part of that, though, I would say is because of the staff. I don't think Greg Harbaugh Jr. and Matt Simon are wonderful coordinators. Matt Simon certainly has a good reputation with wide receivers, in my opinion, of recruiting diamonds in the rough and developing there. But we'll see how him and Greg Harbaugh Jr. do when coordinating the offense. The pass rush also won't be strong, and the linebacker room will be lacking experience as Mariano Sori Marin departed from the program due to running out of eligibility. The ceiling of this team realistically is 11-3. and I say space after that because that's like outer space, and I only say that because TCU happened last year. So I think just to you know include all possibilities, I want to put what I think is a realistic ceiling, which is 11-3. and That would be winning the West, probably losing to both Michigan and Ohio State, maybe upsetting one, but definitely losing to one, um, losing in Indianapolis, and then likely a 10-3 and Minnesota, especially if the losses weren't competitive, probably wouldn't get into a New Year's Six Bowl game. And as a result, if they go to the really a Quest Bowl or Citrus Bowl, they'll be, they'll be in business to win that. So I think that could be their ceiling. Outer space ceiling, like come out of nowhere, unrealistic but possible type ceiling, Cinderella, would be 13-2. and The team has enough talent at wide receiver, tight end, and they have a good enough coach who's done more with less, and they're physical enough to where they could get fluky and they could out-physical a team that they're an underdog against, like what TCU did to Michigan. They could totally do that with their wide receiver talent, offensive line, Kaliak Manis' legs, and defensively as well. It, that's extremely unlikely. That's why I said realistically it's 11-3. and three. But if you want to stretch it a bit, I think you could stretch it to there. But that's, again, highly unlikely stuff. The floor for this team, I think, is 8-5. and five. The absolute basement and unlikely floor, I think, would be 7-6. and six. I think that P.J. Fleck is a deep roster this year. It's not as experienced as it was last year. There are less COVID super seniors. Tanner Morgan, Muhammad Ibrahim, they're gone. Same with John Michael Schmitz. However, I expect this team to actually take a step forward in comparison to last year, mainly due to the makeup of the team, great receiver play, and they have a higher, they have a higher ceiling quarterback with Ethan Kaliak-Manis. And Joe Rossi just knows how to reload on defense. It does not matter how much they lose or return. They'll always have good defenses with Rossi at coordinator. Thank you guys so much for watching this breakdown of Minnesota football. I enjoyed it so much. Nebraska I will be doing tomorrow. And then I'm going to be doing breakdowns in order of when the games are played for the first week of the Big Ten season. So after, I think after Nebraska would be Michigan State and then Iowa or Michigan or the teams that play at noon on week one, Saturday, September 2nd. Thank you guys for watching. Please comment, like, subscribe, and thank you very much for watching. I'll see you all later. Bye-bye.